Speaking of prayer, just I invite you to think for a moment about a prayer you might have prayed. And you don't have to acknowledge this. This is just, just for yourself in the theatre of your own mind right now. A prayer you prayed, and let's be honest, you thought God can't really turn this around. This, this isn't going to change. I'm praying, but I'm not really, not really banking on this happening. And then God answers. And he doesn't just answer, but big time. And in, in a way that you could not have imagined. Have you ever been in one of those places? What a mighty God we serve, that he does that. Just raise your hand if you've ever been through an experience like that. Is there anyone with me? That's good. That's good. There's, there's a few. God, God still answers prayer today. And today, in today's Bibleography, um, as Pastor Matt coined the term, where we're looking at particular people from the Bible, real characters, and as Matt rightly shared, it's quite an obscure one, but I love this one. I, I, I'm really looking forward to meeting this person in eternity. I think she's a real character. She's a bit wacky, uh, but I love that God put her in the picture in this story. Her name's Rhoda. Now, Rhoda, who was she? What did she do? We don't have her whole life story here, but what we have is this snapshot, this little vignette from her life where she just, just takes centre stage and what, what I love about this is that Rhoda is with God's people praying. They're praying for a miracle. Uh, their, their leader at the time, the man of God who was leading them, this is the very early days of the church, within the first 10 years of the church, and it was coming under huge attack. And Peter was in prison, and the, the church was praying that God would do something. They didn't know what he was going to do, but they were praying. And Rhoda was amongst them. And a bit of a spoiler, God answered their prayer and Peter got out. So the next thing, and we're going we're to walk through this story, but I'm just letting you know right from the outset who Rhoda is. And Peter got out and he thought, where am I going to go? I'm, I'm going to go to that place where God's people were praying for me. He goes and knocks on the door. Remember, this was the last person in the whole city of Jerusalem that they were expecting would be knocking on this door. Rhoda, the servant girl of the house, she goes and answers the door, but it didn't have a window. Someone was knocking and she was asking, who was it? And he said, it's Peter. She, when she heard his voice and she heard it was Peter, she was so excited, she ran back to tell everyone. And there's Peter still outside, knocking on the door, let me in. Does God have a sense of humour or what? I love that he's got this, this crazy little story in there. And even in a time of great upheaval, a time of great suffering and trial of God's people, there's this little story that every time I read it, it cracks me up. And I hope it blesses you today too. So the title of today's Bibleography, and I mentioned who coined the term, Pastor Matt. And by the way, Pastor Matt leaves during the, uh, in the middle of my sermon. He's already, he's already uh, prepped me. It's not because he's offended or upset. So, um, 
just just because he's got to do Pastor Matt stuff out the back there. And I've called it Don't Knock Rhoda. It's time to open the door. Think about that door, whatever that door is in your life. Don't knock Rhoda, it's time to open the door. And in the message that I've prepared, I've got five reasons why we shouldn't knock Rhoda. Don't knock Rhoda. Let's go to where this action takes place in the book of Acts, chapter 12. If you have your Bible, find it. Chapter 12, reading from verse 1, that's Acts of the Apostles, chapter 12, reading from verse 1. And this is where we get the background of what was going on in this story. About that time, King Herod violently attacked some who belonged to the church. Did you hear that? Right from the outset, right from the early days of the church, under attack. And that name again, Herod. And he executed James, John's brother, with the sword. When he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter too. So it was actually, we hear a lot about Peter being leader of the early church. But while James was still alive, okay, it was more James who was the, the one who they looked to. So James is removed from the picture. Peter steps up. When he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter too during the festival of unleavened bread. After the arrest, he put him in prison and assigned four squads of four soldiers each to guard him. So Herod was pretty sure there was, there was something about Peter that meant he needed to be under heavy guard, intending to bring him out to the people after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was praying fervently to God for him. So don't knock Rhoda. The first reason we shouldn't knock Rhoda is she was praying faithfully with God's people. That's why she's in this story. She was there as part of that prayer group praying for Peter, believing that God could do something amazing. The events described in the Bible chapter, chapter 12 that we've looked at for the message today, took place about 10 years after Christ had died, risen again and ascended back to heaven. Followers of Jesus had already taken the good news of the gospel abroad and the church was spreading in many directions and growing rapidly. The believers who remained in Jerusalem were now experiencing vicious persecution by the latest Herod on the scene. That was Herod Agrippa I. He was the grandson of Herod the Great and nephew of Herod Antipas who had beheaded John the Baptist and tried Jesus. James, the brother of John, was the first apostle to be martyred. And this tragedy was described by Luke, the writer of the book of Acts. These were tremendously difficult days for the fledgling Christian church. But here is what happens when we pray. God hears and he answers. But we can never predict how he will do it. I, this is my estimation, my calculation if you like. God answers prayer every time. I believe that. And as they say, it can either be yes, no, or wait. But I, I believe, without any doubt, 100% of the time, he answers it 
in ways that we would never have guessed he would have answered it. It's never the way we think he's going to answer it, but he answers it. We can never predict how he will do it. Here is how he did it for Peter and the believers who stood together and prayed through a seemingly impossible situation. I think the last time I spoke, I mentioned we can look back, you know, these Bible stories about these characters and we can go, well, that was great. He was Peter, you know, the super apostle. And, and you know, they, they were the early church. They were doing amazing stuff. This is the Acts of the Apostles. The Holy Spirit was doing incredible things in them. They didn't know how the story was going to finish. They were in it. We can take this for granted. See, we're looking back. We know the end. They, they were in the middle of the story. A seemingly impossible situation that they were praying about. Verse 8. When Herod was about to bring him, that is Peter, out for trial, that very night Peter, bound with two chains, was sleeping between two soldiers while the sentries in front of the door guarded the prison. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. Striking Peter on the side, he woke him up and said, Quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrists. Get dressed, the angel told him, and put on your sandals. And he did. Wrap your cloak around you, he told him, and follow me. So he went out and followed, and he did not know that what the angel did was really happening. Well, we could possibly uh, appreciate that, couldn't we? If you woke up in prison and this happened, you're thinking, is this really happening? Am I dreaming? But he thought he was seeing a vision. After they passed the first and second guards, they came to the iron gate that leads into the city, which opened then by itself. Brothers and sisters, this is the power of prayer. Are you hearing this? The God we pray to in these times, is he the same God as in this story? Yes, he is. This is the power of prayer. This is the power of God. They passed the first and second gates, the first and second guards. They came to the iron gate and leads into the city, opened by itself. They went outside and passed one street, and suddenly the angel left him. I love these angels. They're like these special forces uh, characters, aren't they? They just do the business, and then off they go. Daryl Bock has written a great commentary on Acts, and he just walks us through what's happening here with Peter. At the last moment, the night before Peter is to appear for judgment, God acts with the help of an angel from the Lord. Angels are quite active in Acts, part of the theme of God's activity in the book, helping his people, agents of judgment. And in this case, Peter is asleep, amazing in itself given what the next day may bring. He's between two soldiers to whom he is chained, and the other two sentries guard the door. There would be one soldier chained to each arm, according to Seneca, one of the Roman uh, scholars of the day. Herod has done a great deal to make sure that Peter is secure and well guarded. Is he aware, perhaps, of, the pre of a previous escape? And does this represent his special carefulness with a key leader? Daryl Bott continues, An angel appears in a bright light, stands over Peter, wakes him up, and instructs him in steps to get up 
dress, put on sandals, as it said. So we get a sense of vivid detail and ongoing action. He was following the angel and supposing that he was experiencing a vision. The account seems to assume that the guards are asleep as they pass those first two guards and then out the gate into the street. Verse 11, getting back to the book of Acts, chapter 12. Verse 11, when Peter came to himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel. In other words, he just just stood there and realised, this really happened. I'm out here. I'm free. God has really sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's grasp and from all that the Jewish people expected. Peter's commentary on the event is also the scene's point. Peter recognises, says Daryl Bock, that the rescue is the Lord's protection of him from Herod and all the expectations of the Jewish religious leaders. The apostle is confident that they want him dead and the rescue has prevented that result. Both political and religious leaders are singled out as Peter's opponents. Peter has recognised that many of these religious leaders are against him. They are opposed to him and what he represents. Then we come to verse 12 of chapter 12. As soon as he realised this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, who was called Mark, John Mark, who was the writer of Mark's Gospel. Where many had assembled and were praying, he knocked at the door of the outer gate and a servant named Rhoda came to answer. Now don't knock Rhoda. This is the second reason. Don't knock Rhoda. She radiated joy as a follower of Jesus. How are you going with radiating joy? If I see someone who's, you know, relentlessly positive and joyful, I can, I've got to admit, I'm sort of thinking, oh, you know, that can't be real. With Rhoda, this was the real thing. She radiated joy. She came to answer the door. She recognised Peter's voice. And because of her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter was standing at the outer gate. She was so excited, she wanted to tell everyone who was praying just forgot to let Peter in. Their reply, not surprisingly, verse 15, you're out of your mind, they told her. But she kept insisting that it was true. And they said, it's his angel. There was this, this concept at the time that, uh, I think what the Germans call like a doppelganger, where there's this sort of being that, that looks exactly like you and can be seen in odd places and people say, oh, I saw you down the supermarket the other week uh, on the Friday. No, I wasn't there. There was that mindset that they had at that time. So they're saying to him, it's his ain't saying to Rhoda, it's his angel. No, it wasn't his angel. Daryl Bott continues to unpack what's happening. So Mary's house, he's knocking at the door of Mary's house where Rhoda is. She is the mother of John Mark and is likely a widow as her husband is not noted. She is obviously a woman of some means if the church can gather in her home. This is yet another confirmation that in Acts the giving over of material goods was voluntary and did not involve every single possession. The community is praying not knowing that God has already answered their prayers. Peter seems to know the location where the church is meeting, suggesting that this is a house church locale. Not the entire Jerusalem church is present, however, as James and other brethren are at another location, according to verse 17. So that's James, 
the brother of Jesus. There are a few Jameses and a few Marys. Peter knocks at the gate of the house and is heard by a maid named Rhoda. The fact that a slave girl would answer the door is one of those little details that points to authenticity. Her name is a common one and means rosebud or little rose. Rhoda recognises his voice and full of joy forgets to let him in. Okay, we know that. So don't knock Rhoda. The third reason we should not knock Rhoda is that she cared for the welfare of others. She was more excited about other people's success, about others being well, being safe. Prayers answered on behalf of other people. So Rhoda runs to announce Peter's presence, an announcement that those inside reject as the hope of a girl gone crazy. In their view, Rhoda is not rational. A response similar to to that given the announcement of Jesus' resurrection when Mary Magdalene announced it, where another report by the women was rejected. Rhoda, however, is insistent. And this is where the comedy of the scene really comes out. Peter is left behind at the door while everyone tries to sort things out. The varied reactions and emotions to such a surprising event are quite normal, says Daryl Bock. Some take Rhoda's announcement more seriously and suggest another alternative, that his angel was present. We've already talked about that that, uh, myth. The suggestion seems to assume that they simply refuse to accept the possibility that Peter has escaped. We've been praying for this, but no, it can't be real. That can't be Peter there on the other side of the door. And it's Rhoda. She's a bit ditzy. She's she's a bit scatterbrained, a bit emotional, um, all of that sort of thing. No, it can't be Peter. Those inside the room do seem to have rejected the idea that God would spare Peter with a miraculous escape. They've been praying for some other outcome. Thus, the idea of communication from beyond becomes an option, although it's not clear that they think Peter is already dead. They're getting very confused here. What do you think they should do? Open the door. What a great idea. Again, God works beyond their expectation. Guys, things we pray for. God's saying, is that all? Is that all you're asking for? Come on, try me. How, how big is your God? How big is he? Peter, however, kept on knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were amazed. Motioning to them with his hand to be silent. <laughs> yeah, after all that, he wouldn't want the you know, soldiers to come and find him again. He described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. Tell these things to James and the brothers, he said. And he left and went to another place. So Peter kept on knocking, says Daryl Bock. While Rhoda went to tell the gathered believers who was at the door, Peter simply wanted in. When the group realises it's Peter, they are completely amazed. Chapter 12 continues, verse 18, chapter 12 of Acts. At daylight, there was great commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. After Herod had searched and did not find him, he interrogated the guards and ordered their execution. Then Herod went down from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there. 
First, sorry, number four, don't knock Rhoda. The fourth reason why you should not knock Rhoda is she was eccentric and misunderstood, true, but she was determined and passionate. She was determined to pray for this miracle. She was passionate when she realised that God had answered this prayer. So what about Rhoda? You just got to love Rhoda, don't you? Listen to the priceless way this little story is told in the King James Version. I've been reading to you from the uh, NIV version. So here's just that same little episode where Peter comes in and knocks on the door in the King James Version. Okay. From verse 11. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord hath sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel came to hearken, named Rhoda. And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. And they said unto her, Thou art mad. But she constantly affirmed that it was even so. Then said they, It is his angel. But Peter continued knocking, and when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. I love the absent-minded wackiness of Rhoda. I love it. Uh, one of my dear old friends, uh, one, one of Sandy's and my dear old friends uh, from a church we were part of down in Perth was a wonderful old man named Jim McKinnon. Jim was a brilliant man, architect, uh, musician, Bible scholar, but boy was he absent-minded. Uh, he played the flute and his, Jim's flute had become legendary. It had been lost just about in every second suburb of Perth over the years. Jim had either left it on top of his car and he'd driven down the freeway the flute came off, someone found it, got it back to Jim. It had ended up in all sorts of places. But I loved, loved this man, this absent-minded man of God. But he was a man of faith. He was a man of integrity. And he mentored, uh, he mentored me, he mentored many, many other young believers uh, in the church. And I, I see that absent-minded wackiness right here in young Rhoda in the story. So overwhelmed by the excitement of witnessing this truly miraculous answer to the prayers of the believers interceding for Peter, she forgot to open the door and let him in. But you know what? I really have to admit that Rhoda sounds like a fun person. She sounds like a fun person that would have been part of, the, of this community here and, and well known for that. 
a wonderful uh, black American, African-American gospel singer who sings black gospel, Larnell Harris. Uh, he has a song called Rhoda, and it's about this story. And I'm not going to attempt to sing like Larnell Harris. Forget that. You'll be relieved to know that. Uh, but the lyrics are, are great. And I want you to help me out with these lyrics. Okay? So in a moment, there'll be something you need to do whenever I say Rhoda. Okay? Not straight away. Just, just a bit later on. Rhoda by Larnell Harris. Peter was thrown in prison, made a scapegoat for Herod's wrath. So a girl named Rhoda met with the saints to intercede on his behalf. Hearing their prayers, God answered like time and time again. And while still in prayer, Rhoda heard Peter call, but ran to announce him without letting him in. And all of heaven and Rhoda, and all of heaven said, Rhoda, open the door. All right, you know what you have to do now? When I say Rhoda, you say, open the door. All of heaven said, Rhoda, don't turn and walk away. Here is the one you've been praying for, and God answers when you pray. Don't waste the time. Just open the door and find that your answer to prayer is there. Rhoda. Rhoda was so excited, and she shared it through many words, through her testimony, though her testimony wasn't believed. She was convinced of what she'd heard. Peter kept right on knocking with worry on his face, Finally, Rhoda and all of her doubters just stood there amazed. Are you an effectual, fervent prayer? Can you imagine putting that in a gospel song? Well done. What a talent. Are you an effectual, fervent prayer, casting your mountains to the sea? Or do you pray like these friends of Peter, not taking God seriously? And all of heaven said, Rhoda... Don't turn and walk away. Here is the one you've been praying for, and God answers when you pray. Don't waste the time. Just open the door and find that your answer to prayer is there. Rhoda. Thank you for humoring me. The fifth reason why we should not knock Rhoda. Don't knock Rhoda. She was just a little bit surprised by the way God answered her prayers. And we know that some of you have been there too. You confessed and shared that very kindly earlier on. I've been there. There was one more amazing prayer that was answered. And while I do not advocate praying for someone's demise, and I don't believe these people were praying for that, what I believe is that God moved this person on. God moved the one who was bringing such hardship to them on. There were plenty more that came throughout history, but he moved this one on. Verse 20. Herod had been very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon. Together they presented themselves before him. After winning over Blastus, who was in charge of the king's bedroom, they asked for peace because their country was supplied with food from the king's country. On an appointed day, dressed in royal robes and seated on the throne, Herod delivered a speech to them. The assembled people began to shout, It's the voice of a God and not of a man. At once an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give the glory to God, and he was eaten by worms and died. 
But the word of God spread and multiplied. After they had completed their relief mission, Barnabas and Saul returned to Jerusalem, taking along John, who was called Mark. So don't knock Rhoda. Maybe it's time for you to open the door. Maybe it's time for you to open the door to Jesus for the first time. Don't knock Rhoda. Maybe it's time for you to open the door to the discipleship of the Holy Spirit. Don't knock Rhoda. Maybe it's time for you to open the door to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Don't knock Rhoda. Maybe it's time for you to open the door to the good works the Holy Spirit wants you to do, using our gifts to accomplish them. Someone's been praying for you, or you yourself have been praying, and God has heard your prayer, and he has answered, and he is knocking at your door, but you haven't opened it. Well, now it's time to open the door to Jesus. It's time to open the door to the discipleship of the Holy Spirit, to the gifts of the Holy Spirit, to the good works the Holy Spirit wants to do through us. It's time to open the door. And as I welcome the worship team to come and close with a special communion song, Communion has been set out by our wonderful volunteers on the table out the back. If you believe that the Holy Spirit has been on your case to open the door, then as we enter into this time of communion, as the team bring this beautiful song, I think it's a song Jeremy wrote. Is that right? Yep. A lovely song that Jeremy has written about, about responding to Jesus and what he has done invite you to take communion and pray that this door that God has called you to open, he's knocking on the door, you open it today. This is your opportunity to respond to him as you enter into this time of communion to close.